Hope and encouragement for difficult times, next. Everything is going downhill for everyone around the world, everywhere, in every corner. This fallen world that we live in, we are all sharing. We're believer and unbeliever alike. And for those of us that live with pain, there's a reminder in the Bible of triumphant faith, victory faith. We serve a God who knows our wanderings. Isn't that good? He collects our tears in a bottle. And he draws near in the most loneliness of times because God is real and he's near. And God has revealed himself as the very character of love. God is love. And we respond by faith. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You laid down your life. That I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. Hi there. Thanks for ending the week with us here at Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Tanner. The plan today is to cover the last eight verses of Hebrews chapter 11. Pastor Ed, before we get into your message, the subject matter for today is highly relevant. To say these have been challenging or difficult times might be an understatement. People listening right now are afraid, they're anxious, they're depressed, real struggles for all too many, and others are greatly discouraged in light of all that's taking place. I wanted to give you an opportunity to address them personally before we launch into our study time. Fear and anxiety are real. I'm sorry that you're back on your heels right now. I'm sorry that it's immobilized you, that maybe real fear has turned into irrational fear. But the Lord is with you. He's with you when you're confident. He's with you when you're fearful. He's with you when you're timid. He's with you when you're courageous. He's with you when you're pressing in and he's with you, yeah, when you're lying down and maybe going backwards. God is with you. He loves you. He knows you. But he also wants what's best for you. Think about, you know, you that are parents out there, you you think about how much you want what's best for your kids. Well, our Heavenly Father wants what's best for his kids too. And it's not to be immobilized by fear. It's not to be in retreat all the time. God is ready to encourage and strengthen you. And you don't have to think about being courageous the rest of your life. You don't have to be thinking about being brave, you know, for the next 20 years. Just now, in the moment, walking by faith, trusting in the Lord, knowing that He is the supplier of all the comfort and encouragement that you need, that you want, and that you've been looking for. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So with that, let's dive into our message now. Here again is Pastor Ed. Would you take your Bibles and open them, please, to Hebrews chapter 11. As we finish off the chapter today, this hall of faith, Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to pick up in verse 32, where we left off last time in a Bible study that I've entitled, By Faith, God is Glorified in Difficult Times. How is God glorified in tough times? By faith. His name goes forth. His power shines brightly. His message is communicated through his church, even in, especially in difficult times. Now you can jot it down. In Romans chapter 10, verse 16, the Bible says, 
but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? And so then, faith comes by hearing, and you know the rest, and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing, but hearing comes by the word of God. And God is telling us that this book, the book that's in your laps, in your hand, the one that you're reading on your phone or your iPad, the Bible brings about faith. Every time you read it, every time you open it, every time you study it, this book, like no other book, is living and powerful and brings saving faith to those who need it, but also it brings living faith, living faith. You know, you were saved by faith, you're going to be sealed for eternity by faith, and you're also going to live by faith. And so every time you read the Bible, hearing it, receiving it, your faith is built up. You grow and I grow in faith. And God has even reserved a whole chapter for us in the book of Hebrews in chapter 11 that we've called the Hall of Faith. And the Hall of Faith is the true story, the true history of men and women that have gone before us that have faced life's difficulties by faith. They made it in, and because they made it in, we're encouraged to be reminded that we're going to make it in. Even though the Hebrews were struggling, those that were, this letter was written to, they were struggling. They were wrestling with the reality of life and what it meant to follow God and all the pain and all the suffering and all the difficulties, the abandonment, the, the family that turned on them, the loss of income, the loss of a job, the loss of resources and things, all that they were facing, the letter was written to say, look, Jesus is enough. And the power of God, all the power of God is available to you and to me today by faith. You know, sometimes we think, well, the power of God's available to us if we come to church. No, not necessarily. Or if we pray more. No, not really. If we give more than I have, I'm tapped into the power of God. No, God makes it much simpler than that. The way that you tap into the very resurrection power of God is by faith. And all of us can respond to God by believing Him. The Bible says it's impossible to please God unless you start with believing Him and believing what He says and trusting Him, knowing that He's faithful, even if we're faithless. And so now we come to the end of the chapter, the end of the individual testimonies. We've spent all this time, by my count, at least 21 times up to this point in Hebrews, the topic of faith has been mentioned associated with a person or a group of people. And we've learned about Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Sarah and Rahab. You know, they all lived in deep pain. Of course, this is the hall of faith, but it can also be the hall of challenges. It could be the hall of pain. It could be a hall of fear, anxiety. But the emphasis by God was on their faith. And they all faced pain and struggle and suffering and hardship, but they made it. Notice with me in verse 32, it says, What more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the, escaped the edge of the sword, 
out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. And all these things, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. And once again, God ties together the testimonies of faith in the past with our current, with us, with our testimonies of faith. That the men and women of old were just like us. You know, you can read the Bible sometimes and think, oh, I, I, could, I could never be like these people. I can never do what they do. They're, they're, they're people of the Bible. They're saints. Maybe you grew up in a religious tradition where they made stained glass representations and had them up high, and these are the perfect people that are etched in, st- in stained glass, so you know that one day, maybe, sort of, kind of, you'll be like them. No, not at all. They're just like us. What distance us, of course, is culture and time, But the stories that they tell, the trials that they endure, they're very much the same thing that you and I endure. Now, some of these we may never endure, but believers throughout all of history around the world have paid the high price of martyrdom because of their faith, because they are loyal to Jesus Christ. And as we come to the end of these testimonies, we're left in awe of some named and many unnamed that trusted God against all the odds. Maybe you're in a place right now where all the odds are against you. You you don't see any way out. You don't see how God is gonna solve it, how God's gonna provide, how God's gonna come through. You could say it's against all odds, but you can turn to Hebrews 11 and be reminded that you can trust God against all the odds, all the trials, all the mockery, all the pain by faith. And you know as well as I do you know as well as I do that there is much pain and suffering and difficulty among us, even right now in this room, let alone connected to us online and on the radio. There's a lot of pain in this room, in your life and in mine. Life is always a struggle for the believer. Things get more difficult for the born-again believer, not less. There's a whole new dynamic of spiritual warfare that's added to your life. A whole new layer of temptation. Like like when you're born again and your eyes are open to spiritual things, you then begin to find out just how far you were from God. Just how many things need your attention. The temptations of life now become greater as now there's a resistance of the Holy Spirit inside. And life is hard. Not only the temptations and such spiritually, but just life. Life in this fallen world. You see, for the follower of Christ, God's ways are not the world's ways. It's so opposite of the way the world does things. And because we're in the world, there's a constant battle of what to choose. Which way will I go? Because the world can be extremely hostile. Have you noticed? Very hostile to the things of God. 
And still yet there's a layer of you men and women here today that you love God, you serve him with all your heart, and you still suffer. And you still experience pain. There's depression among us. There's divorce. There's abandonment. There's chronic illness, cancer. Some of you have an appointment this week that you were finally able to get with your doctor where they're going to talk to you about the results of your tests. I was reminded again, I'm, don't, not that I need to be reminded, but I was reminded again of so many that are at home right now because of the immuno stuff in your body and you've just been alone all this time. I think of family members that have been kept away in convalescent homes and assisted living, isolated, alone. There's addictions in this room. There are people choosing to respond in such a way that brings more pain into their life. There are those that have lost jobs and income, shrinking bank accounts. There's constant pain. Some of you are constantly slandered. Your family's abandoned. We can go on and on with the reality of life. And each and every situation is to be met by unswerving faith in God. He's the God of the situation. That we're able to walk day by day, step by step, abiding in Christ, where we find our strength and perspective and help in time of need. We're all going to face painful, hurting circumstances, church. Let alone the type of trial that the entire world's in today. This is a unique time in human history where the whole world seems to be experiencing the same thing. Now, of course, depending on where you live and who your government officials are, some, in some areas it's harder than others and just oh, government overreach and bad decisions, all of that. And, and yet, everyone's experiencing the same thing. Everything is going downhill for everyone around the world, everywhere, in every corner. This fallen world that we live in, we are all sharing. We're believer and unbeliever alike. And for those of us that live with pain, there's a reminder in the Bible of triumphant faith, victory faith. We serve a God who knows our wanderings. Isn't that good? He collects our tears in a bottle. And he draws near in the most loneliness of times because God is real and he's near. And God has revealed himself as the very character of love. God is love. And we respond by faith. Notice again now in verse 32 of these encouraging true stories. What more? After at the end, Paul finally just says, what more can I say? Do I need to say any more? Are the 21 examples not enough? Well, if, even if I don't need to say any more, I'm going to share a few more. And what does he say? From the time would fail me to tell of Gideon. And we know Gideon, Judges chapter 7. Gideon was a man filled with fear, but by faith he made it. God took an army of 10. He was just a fearful farmer. And the Midianites come upon the nation and he takes his army of 10,000 and reduces it to 300. Why? Because God wanted to show him that it won't be by his resources. It won't be by his plans. It won't be by all his maneuverings that God will give the victory. Gideon, I want you to trust in me. And he did. Not only that, notice a Barak. Again, a man fearful. Another fearful man. He was serving, remember, Deborah. And this is recorded for us in Judges chapter 4. And because of his fear, God told him, you know what? You're not going to get credit for the victory. Even though he stayed close to Deborah, God used Deborah to bring victory and to kill Sisera. And yet, Barak still makes it in, in his fear. How about Samson, it says here? Samson, man. 
Samson had such an up and down life. I know many of you have an up and down life. I really believe he loved God, but compromise got him in trouble. And he was just a compromiser. And you know, for those of you that think you're getting away with compromise, let Samson be a warning to you. You won't get away with it. It will come back to you. It will catch up. Compromise is just a fancy word for sin. And it just will catch up to you. Well, well, but man, Ed, I've gone away with it for all this time. No, first of all, you haven't gotten away with anything. You haven't gotten away with anything. Compromise is always going to come back. Ask Samson. He died a miserable death, had his eyes plucked out. And yet, yet even with his bad decisions, he's remembered for his faith. That's how gracious God is to us. How about Jephthah? Jephthah, it says here in verse 32, Jephthah, you'll remember in Judges 11, made the most foolish vow. And even though he had a foolish vow, he fought against the Ammonites. And there was a trust in God because even in the foolishness of the vow, it was still a vow to the real God and the faithful God. How about it says in verse 32, David. Now we know David. David was a man filled with flaws, sinful flaws, but what a man of faith. His trust began when he was just a little kid. As he grew up in faith and his faith continued to grow, he's tending his dad's sheep, being faithful, killing lions and bears, taking on Goliath with a slingshot. Many faults and failures. It reminded me, each time we have a baby dedication here, uh, my assistant puts the Bibles on my desk so I can write a note to those kids. And I know most of the kids that are being dedicated can't read yet. But I'm writing it to them for the moment, not only the moment that they can read it themselves, but maybe their parents will read it to them on a regular basis. It's a basic note about how much Jesus loves them and how God has given this kiddo his word to build on at a very young age, to stay as close to Jesus as possible. Why? Because parents, we have a responsibility to get the gospel into our kids as young as possible because they're going to grow up. And they're going to grow up either building upon the faith that was put into and deposited into them or not. And David started as a young age, even as your kids can start. And it's never too late to start with your kids. How about this? In verse 32, Samuel and the prophets. Samuel was a given, he was dedicated to the Lord at a young age. And it's amazing as he's listed in this, this list of faithful warriors and fighters as he stood strong against idolatry and immorality and against all that would come against the name of God. And he had a school of the prophets training other men to speak forth the word of God on behalf of God in a very hostile time. He made it. Notice in verse 33 now, uh, one of the things I like to do, because I noticed when I was rereading this, I like to circle the verbs. Look what faith will do in your life. All this action. It says, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens, the action that God wants to do by faith to bring about victory. Whether the need is for political victory, helping those in need, receiving the promises of God, overcoming natural enemies, standing strong in spiritual warfare. If you need protection when you're being attacked, if you need strength when you're weak, the power to accomplish all these things is from God. And it's accessed, how? By faith. Trusting Him. Committing your life to Him. 
You know, I was rereading some of the things in David's life recently as Absalom, his son, betrayed him and his friends, Ahithophel, betrayed him. And he's surrounded by lies and he's surrounded by betrayal and he's surrounded by that desire to destroy him and take him out. And what did David do? He committed himself into the hands of God. He didn't fight back. He didn't come against them. He didn't manipulate the, system, the situation. He acknowledged it. He accepted it. And he committed himself into the hands of God. It's so encouraging to know that God has your back. Notice this in verse 35. Faith brought back the dead to life. It says women. The emphasis was on the women that received their dead raised to life again. Imagine that. We know this happened with Elijah and Elisha. That God used these men to bring back life. Remember the widow in Zarephath had her son restored to her? Elisha did the same for the Shunammite woman's son. And here they are. They suffered for a while. Great grief and pain. But God was gracious in removing their pain. And he's gracious in removing your pain as well by faith. Not only that, it says in verse 35, others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. That testimony is in the Bible with James and Stephen, but it's also in the martyrdom of every generation where in every generation there have been those that have been brought to the stake or to the fire or to the guillotine or whatever to denounce their faith. Say, you know what? If you, just, if you just say that you won't believe in God, all you need to do is say it. If you just denounce Jesus publicly, I'll let you live. And they go, no. I will not denounce my Savior. Take my life. Because they understood. And we're learning to understand. But where they understood what Jesus taught, even before he taught, he says, what? remember what Jesus said? What is it that you could possibly gain? What is it that you would get if you were able to gain the whole world but lose your own soul? What profit would come to your life if you had a little bit more money, if you had a little bigger house, if you had a nicer car, if that's what you sh chased after? And you put Jesus in a secondary role, third, fourth, fifth. And, you know, it's like, oh, I'm a Christian, but I'm going to live. And I'm going to go after this world. I'm going to get it. Like the ways of this world are so contrary to God. What would it profit? What's it profiting you now? For, well, what's it profiting? You have all that you ever wanted, but your walk with the Lord is almost nothing. Jesus would put it this way. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. It's not the other way around. You don't go after all the other things. How many times I've heard this where there's a calling on a man's life, a calling on a woman's life, and we see it, we begin to encourage it, and then they say, oh, no, 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 I don't have time. I don't have time. You know, maybe when I get this project done, maybe when I take care of this, maybe when I hit, the, maybe when the kids grow up, maybe this, maybe that, and before you know it, their whole life was lived on maybes instead of seeking the Lord. And it's always discouraging. You see, because Jesus said, if you seek him first, those things that are on your heart, he'll provide them for you. If you seek him first, the things that you want will be provided. But if you go after the things first, you may or may not get them. Rust and moth might destroy them. People might break in and steal them. And then all that time you wasted not seeking the Lord, not growing your faith and exercising him. We're going through Hebrews one verse at a time here on Abound in Grace. 
Pastor Ed Taylor is our teacher on the program, and you can hear these studies online at AboundingGraceRadio.com and through the Calvary Church app. Check out Ed's blog at EdTaylor.org. We also have a podcast. Look for us on Apple Podcasts. And thank you for remembering Abounding Grace in your giving to the Lord. Every gift that comes in goes right to the ministry. It plays an important role in helping us bring the truths of God's Word to the radio every day. And when you support the ministry today with a gift of $25 or more, you're invited to request a copy of A.W. Tozer's devotional masterpiece, The Pursuit of God. In it, Tozer seeks to make his readers thirsty for intimacy with the Lord, and it will leave you inspired to seek God more passionately and intimately. You can start your pursuit today by calling 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. If you'd just like to make a donation to the ministry and are not interested in the book, you can donate safely and securely at AboundingGraceRadio.com. We hope you'll join us for a service here at Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. You have a few options. Come on by Saturdays at 6 p.m. or Sundays at 8.45 or 10.45 in the morning. Study the Word in the middle of the week, too, Wednesdays at 7 p.m. You can also live stream at CalvaryCO.Church. Glad to have you with us for today's broadcast. We look forward to continuing the journey through Hebrews next time on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. In the meantime, let's be drawing on God's abounding grace for daily living. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.